This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That question I've got for you, Erica, is about your journey into football agency. How did you become involved in, in football agency? Because you're an educated man, as I say, you, you're a, a doctorate in sports law. So how did you get into football agency in the first place? Yeah, thank you, Callum, first of all, and thanks for having me. I mean, it's a good it's, it's a good question, and I got asked a lot this question, to be honest. And uh, I actually never wanted to be an agent in the first place. And I always wanted to be a teacher and a writer. I always wanted to teach and write. So that was that's my two passion in life, in my life. And they're still my passion. And, um, and I just wanted to become a professor and at the university, which I'm actually uh, going for it now this summer to the United States and go on with my own goals in life. But on my journey, in, uh, while I was studying law, I specialized myself very early in, in sports law because I love sports and I love uh, studying and and I said I need to do something and I, and I need to teach something which I love which is sports law and sports management and and it was a niche area back 20 years ago not many sports lawyers were existing at the time very rare and while I was doing this and educating myself uh, people found out about that in certain communities and then they asked me about contracts parents or football players and literally that's how it started like here I could you are a young lawyer, you, you, you've done sports, so you had a masterate and doctorate. Uh, can you have a look at this contract? So I said, yeah, let me have a look. One contract, two contracts. Later on, it became like, you know what? You're a very good lawyer to my son. Why don't you become his agent? And I'm saying, look, I'm... And, and, and that was actually with Mesut Ozil at the time. And I, I was just about to start. So I actually became first his lawyer uh, to help him and the family to do with all the contracts. And I started at the same time my doctorate, and it will take me three, four, five years, right, in Germany. And then one year later, they said to me, oh, you know what, we agreed, the family, that you should take over and be his agent. And I'm saying, like, I'm in the middle of doing my PhD. I don't have that time, like, to be a full-time agent, so let's have an agreement here. I literally agreed, half-time agent, half-time student, like, so... I was living the life of representing a football player. And then the next day I was ha having coffee with my friends at university and they were saying, you're crazy. Why, why don't you just give everything up? And I said, no, I have my own goals in life. I really want to do it. So I was being a PhD student and an agent of Ozil at the same time. And because you're representing a player like Ozil, then others coming as well and asking another family member, hey, you know, our son is doing well. In the end, it became so much that I say, you know what? I think I can't focus on my own goals. I need to build a team. So that's what is seven, eight years ago, I started to building a young team around me because I'm a teacher. I teach agents. So I, I help them to become young football agents and young sports lawyers and build a team around me, Germany, in Austria and Turkey and in England. And now is the time for me to go to US. Right. So I literally have a team independently now working and looking after the players we represent. Yeah, actually, I went into it through my passion through teaching and uh, to educating myself. It brought me actually into the field of being an agent, but which I love now, obviously. I love the, I love the, the, the process of making someone else better. Uh, either it is when you're at school or when you're at university teaching someone, or is it about 
uh, working with a football player, which is also kind of teaching and mentally helping players, especially young players, to guide them through their career. It's a part of, it's kind of teaching and mentoring them as well. So that's why it suits me quite a lot to work with these players. You mentioned Mesut Ozil there, of course, a, a world-renowned footballer who's represented some of the biggest clubs in the world, Arsenal, Real Madrid, obviously success with the German national team as well. Um, what has it been like to work with him as he's progressed through his career? Because he literally is a global superstar. I mean, for me, it was like uh, I learned so much. Like, I mean... With, with someone like Mesut Ozil, he's always in the news, right? I mean, there's always a mystery and always something happening. And is this with the coach? There's something happening. I mean, you, you've seen the last few years at Arsenal. So there's always something. It was permanent. It was like 24-7. And because it's a global star, it was globally. So I got approached from people all over the world, from journalists, from people, from club, club officials. And literally, it, it was so much work. One player. Sometimes people ask me, why don't you re represent more superstars? And I'm saying, I don't understand how an agent can represent more than one like him. I have so much work, commercially, media work, contract. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I said, I, that's why I had it built as well a team around me in the end, you know, so to help me as well with the overload of work. But I can say I learned all everything uh, through him. Uh, I'm really thankful for that, of course. And it opened me many doors in life. And I've met many people which I probably haven't met if I wouldn't represent it Mesut. And to be fair, a lot of people come to me because of Mesut, not because of who I am. This is the fact, right? Sometimes I got like such nice emails. Hi, I could really like, like to meet you and talk to you. It is so nice. I'm reading. And by the way, we'd like to, can we have a meeting with Ozil? And I'm saying, oh my God, the whole meeting, the whole email is actually about him and, about me, and nothing about me. Like, But, you know, I'm very grateful in life and I just take everything like how it comes. And I think... Uh, uh, I learned so much. Like I'm a learner, I'm a developer, I'm someone who wants to, you know, craves knowledge. And 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 that time uh, in in Madrid, uh, in England, and now in Turkey, again, it's a new journey. I learned so much, and I learned dealing with different cultures. And even I moved to London because of that, because of Mesut when he was at Arsenal. I realized after six months traveling around between England and Germany, I said, no, I have to move here. Like and again. I moved here, I'm living here. Now I met my wife here. My wife's English, so I'm English kind of. No, I'm a British citizen as well now. So it kind of, uh, it's, it's home now here for me. And in terms of um, representing any client, whether it's Mesa or someone else, um, football fans think of agents when it comes to transfers, contracts, but the role mm. is much wider than that. How would you sum up the role of a football agent on a daily basis? Because there's so much more than the glamour that people love to obsess over. Yes, I mean, it's it's what I do. Actually, I had a phone call with someone this morning about discussing about the what is a football agent or what is a player's agent. And uh, so when you look at FIFA's regulations, they're creating now new regulations for agents. And uh, I never understood the concept of someone representing a football club is a player's agent or they're doing a different job. Like I've, I've always said, we need to separate the ones who representing the player. They do a totally different job. And I explain what I do as a player representatives. I have, have to deal usually when you start with young players, obviously in a, in a certain young age. So you build actually character, mental uh, awareness and everything with the player. You guide them through the career and help them with everything is from social media to marketing to to brand building to media work uh, they have setbacks they have problems at school they have family issues they have girlfriend issues you are like a 
360 management advisor, friend, a brother, name it, right? This is the, this job is like uh, it's, it consumes so much time and energy. It's unbelievable. And on the other hand, there are people who just represent the clubs uh, as agents on deal. They're club agents, or they're more for me in my eyes. They're consultants. They're not football or players agents. So they should be regulated different or not regulated at all. I don't, you know, like for me, I'm a player agent. Like I see myself more on that side. I want to really build a career, really work on players' careers from one step to another and then the next step. And yeah, it's off. There's the on the pitch uh, part and of, and of course the off the pitch part, right? And on the pitch, the players usually today, I mean, if they're in a professional environment, they have everything. I mean, there's so much opportunity now, like in the academies are fantastic. And I mean, in my time, 25, 30 years ago, there was nothing like that, you know, like uh, the academies, you couldn't even call it an academy. Now on the pitch side, they have so much opportunity. They need to live that, crave that, you know? And what we do is a lot off the pitch. So I'm trying to explain a football player, like how could be the guide, especially in the young age with education. This is like my biggest concern when I work with a young player. And I say like, if you're not taking care of your school, I'm not working with you, simple. I'm, I'm very straightforward. Like I, I haven't signed players because of that, because a player said, look, I just care about football. I don't want any education. So I can't guarantee you your football career and no other agent in the world can guarantee you either. So you should better have something next to football and let's work on it. And because after your career, you can go on with that, what you have started and you can finish it. But it's very important to, to open the eyes of these players and explain them football is not everything. Yeah, football is beautiful. It's a great game. And we all wish that everyone in the academies in England becomes, or in Scotland becomes a professional, but it will not happen. Just 0.025% or so. So that means the majority will not become professional players. So our goal is not as an agent, just work with the ones who made it. Our goal as agents, I see myself as well, to help them who didn't make it still be, you know, in the society, you know, still they can work in sports, they can find other areas, but you need to work with them. You need to help them. Therefore, it's very important. It's a very important job. And I think it needs to be regulated if someone like us looking after a player's career, which is very short, you know, the average is five to seven years, the career of a football player. Not many people know that. We just know the ones who are playing like until 35, 36, the big stars. Other than that, I mean, the career is average seven years or so. It's nothing. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that comes with a football career um, is attention, even if it's at a local level, a national level or an international level, as you know, with your clients as well. Um, one of the things that intrigues me is the, the player care aspect. You've, you've talked there about education. Um, you think of some of the documentaries that have been on in recent months, Paul Merson, the former Arsenal player, opening up about his um, struggles with gambling addiction, um, former footballers talking about struggling with alcohol addiction or drug addiction. For you as an agent, how important is it that you can give your clients, whether they're a superstar or a young up-and-coming player, a wider view of the world that, yes, football is important, but you should have other passions and interests as well, whether that be art, whether that be um, property or whatever it may be? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, it's such an important issue you just raised. I mean, un unfortunately, I'm saying betting is all over football in England, unfortunately. I'm like, I'm looking at behind you, Defabet, like I see the jersey there behind you. Uh, it's your favorite club and it has a betting company on it. And it's a shame, in my personal opinion, I'm a very straightforward guy, 
because when I see a 10-year, 12-year-old Celtic fan seeing their biggest dream to play for this club and they see on the jersey, which they want to uh, wear one day, a betting company, they will assume something that's positive because this is my favorite team and this is a betting company. They work together, so I can do that as well. Let me try out. The first 100 pound gets another 100 for free. Welcome to the betting world, yeah? And that's a shame, like, that uh, I know club needs money, but I hope the authorities change it as soon as possible to, because, look, I was, while I was a law student in Germany, and, and, I, and I, I had the chance, actually, working in a betting company. You know, these betting stores, when you go inside and you can do all these bets with dogs, football, everything. And I was living above one as a student, and that's over 20 years ago. And, and the guy who was running it asked me if I could work there over the weekends and he'd give me double salary, like instead of 10 euros an hour, 20 euros an hour. And I'm a student, right? And I said, he said, you just have to stay behind this tilt and they give you some filled out paper. You put it in a machine, you give it back payment, that's it. I have seen lives going down there over weekends. I, I, I didn't know that would exist. Like when I've seen it with my eyes, how people were coming and putting all their money. It's... They are, they, are, they are not well. These people are sick, you understand, mentally, or they, they have something because it's an addiction, right? We don't treat it like as an addiction. We treat it like fun. It is not fun. It is just fun for the 2% who knows, who have no money issues and can do whatever they want and they choose really for fun. But to be honest, who got affected by that is the ones who doesn't have a lot of money by betting, you know, who doesn't have a lot of money and especially kids, Nothing to do, or come on, let's bet a 20 pound on this game today. And that's the danger. And I'm I'm like someone who opposes it totally, like, and I wish that will be like they did it with smoke in the past, like cigarettes got done away, you know, and alcohol got less, and betting is, is, is also an addiction. Why is it different, right? And uh, yeah, I hope that uh, that's why it's very important. And that's why some football players growing with that and seeing it think it's something good and natural, alcohol and betting. And I don't think both of them should be in football in that in that sense, in the front, you know, more in the back. Like, there must be other ways and not the jersey of a football club. It could be somewhere else, you understand, like on a magazine of the club or something. Make it more like, make it not that visible for kids, you know. And they could affect it of that. And uh, same with Real Madrid. You see bet and win, you know. If you're a 10-year-old Real Madrid fan to 12-year, welcome to the betting world, you know. And that's a shame. I think that needs to be changed. And our agents, our role is there, obviously, uh, to what I do a lot, I say, look, uh, even don't touch it as some players, even don't try it. If you start trying it, you're just in it. You know, that's what they want. They want you to get hooked and like get into it, you know, and not get out anymore. And therefore, it's very important to build. I think they, they need an afterlife purpose and goal, you know, uh, sorry, after a football. And they don't have that while they play. And that's, a, and, and that, and that's I think, the issue. They have to have something. Look, the reality is football players have so much time. <laughs> Sometimes some people like complain, you know, they say, wow, you know, they play every five, six days. Yeah, physically they do play a lot of games, but they go to training, let's say in a normal football player's life. <clears throat> training starts, let's say at 10 in the morning, 12 o'clock finished, have lunch at training ground, come back home at one o'clock. The whole day is yours. What are you doing your whole day? You understand? There is time. It's, it's just an excuse like football players have. There is so much time they can develop themselves and do something, you know, even it's... An, and nowadays in this world of digital world where we live, there's so much online available as well. You don't need to go physically somewhere. So there's no excuse at all. You can be physically and do... 
a coaching badge. This is something I do a lot with players who loves not just playing football, even in young age, also to coach and want to see the other side. And that helps players. I said, why don't you start doing your coaching badges? While you're 18, 19 year old, 20, you can go on with that. And towards the end of your career, you could be like a UEFA Pro uh, R license or whatever. You, you can have everything. But you have already learned and done all the licenses. And you see the football with the, with the eyes on the pitch while you play. Because you know how the coach will think. So this is one. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I talk too much, right, Callum? Not at all. Um, one of the things that, that fascinates me about yourself is the education background that you've got. And you've also put that into practice um, in written form. We'll talk about your new book shortly, but you, you wrote a book about how to sort of become a football agent. And I found the whole concept of that book to be fascinating because, as you know, you probably get numerous emails a week of young guys, young women saying, please help me get into the football industry. I love the game. And Listen, I'll be honest, I love football. I love nothing more than speaking to people like yourself within the game, but it's a hard slog to manage to get into football. So in terms of becoming, if someone says to you, Ergit, I want to get into football, what advice do you tend to give them? I think uh, the ones who really want to get into it, they eventually get into it. The ones who just have an idea in the morning, wake up, you know, the football world is amazing. I could be a football agent. I, I can do that as well, like these guys. This is just a one day uh, lightning and goes away. So I can usually distinguish them from each other. I know like usually when someone gets in touch with me and wants to do it and the passion behind and the long-term commitment, these people will make it eventually, all right? It's the only thing which, what stops them from becoming a football agent is their own mind and their own not to believe in themselves. Most of them can't even believe they can do it. That's the pity, yeah? That's the, I was just saying, look, I'm like you, like, I guess nothing which distinguish me from you, you know? I just like, uh, you can do it as well. Like, there is nothing which keeps you from not doing is really the mental belief in it, which keeps them not to try it hard enough, not to work hard enough. Like, and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I always say to these young uh, students when they approach me and write an email and CV, I said, look, I don't care if you have Harvard, Oxford, Cambridge, or wherever you have uh, graduated. You can be have uh, 50 uh, graduations, you know. I think, what can you change in my agency? What can you add value? Have you checked the agency? Have you, have you have a look what we are doing? And have you thought about what we do could add value on me, on my team, which we don't have? Think about smart, I think. So whenever you approach, it's not just for the agency business, any business, Add value first and then wait, right? I always say that to them, like, I, I wanted to learn as a young law student from a from football agency back in Germany in 2001. Like, we're talking about 20 years ago when I first entered the business. And I thought, like, I want to become a, you know, I want to be working in sports law, sports management, as a young lawyer, young academic. So I need to learn a little bit from the industry practically. How can I do that? Oh, there's a football agency in Germany, in Hanover, my hometown. I am studying two hours away in Osnabrück. I said, let me approach them. Maybe I can learn something from them, right? And I was just hungry for learning. So, and that agent is the agent of Joachim Löw until today, right? It's his, it's his agent. And uh, so I, I got an appointment to meet him and uh, got a meeting with them. 
and I was out after five minutes, by the way. It was a quick meeting because <laughs> he thought I'm bringing him a player or so. <laughs> so that's how I got the appointment, like through one of the secretaries, which I know from school back then. And I got a meeting and I said, I just need to sit with him. I just need to sit with him on one table and I'll do the rest. And my tie was like half on this side, you know, like literally like you can't imagine. And, and my friends always saying, you kawaii. He will never listen to you. He's so busy. He's representing hundreds of players. And what will he do? You know, he just, I say, yeah, let me try. Let me try. So I went in there and uh, he said, yeah, okay. About which player are we talking about? So I said, actually, we're not talking about the player. We're talking about me today. And then he looked at me like, you know, and then he looked at the assistants, like who, who arranged that meeting, you know? And I said, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm really like, I really want to learn something and I want to be a sport, you know, a woman in working in the sports area as an academic, a lawyer. And, and I think I can learn you about contracts and everything. He said to me, look, I've never have, I've never got anyone into this agency and I will never get someone. In. I just have my two assistants. And I said, yeah, but you know, I'm studying law and I could help. And he says, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, like I'm, I'm not taking anyone in. I said, just an intern. I don't want any money. It's really, I just want to learn. No, it's not about money. It's not about intern. I'm not taking anyone. It was literally like that, right? It's like after, if it, if it was over after five minutes. And, but, but I remembered one thing, which I just told you uh, in the last question, I said, add value to someone else's life, right? And that's something I learned from my mom. Like, you know, she, she said, never ask for something, add value to people's life and they will come back to you. And uh, so before I was leaving, right? I said to him at the door, I will make you a better football agent. <laughs> like, <laughs> imagine me as a young first year law student, who I am. I don't know how did it come out from me. Something must have come into me. I said to him, I will make you a better football agent. He looked at me, what do you mean? I said, I know things you don't know. I study law and I will study the law and contracts in different countries and different languages. And I will send you once a month a magazine into your office and you read it and you become a better agent. He said, yeah, 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 go, go, go. He just wanted me to get out, right? So I was out. I went back uh, to university and I spent every weekend, Callum, writing a magazine. I never, I've never done it in my life, right? What is a magazine, right? So I just choose five topics. One cast, uh, cast decision from Switzerland, sports court. One uh, case done in Spain about contracts. One football tax issue in another country something about contracts, new things, put five topics, interesting topics together. And I thought always, what, what would interesting for me? But I've written it in a way that he understands it. He's not a, you understand, like a, anyone at the streets would understand that language I've yeah. written for him. I sent it, right? So I know I, I didn't send it. I went there by train, took two pieces, ring the doorbell, the secretary opened the door. I gave two, I, had, I don't even see him, right? I gave two, I said, this is for the agent. And I went, went back. I've done that six months, six times, every weekend, writing a, a magazine, six times going by train, two hours, dropping it there at the door. And I don't know even if he's reading it. And my friend saying, you're crazy. Why do you do that? This guy would never read what you're doing and stuff like that. And, and after seven months, I got a phone call. Come. And after seven months, he called me to come. I mean, the secretary called me, obviously, you know, he, the secretary goes, yeah, he would like to meet you. Can you come? I jumped on the next train. I was there like, you know. And, and then he said to me, um, I have an issue with one of the football federations. It's like arbitration. Uh, can you have a look on that? And I'm like, and I'm not even a lawyer, right? I'm a law student. Like I said, yes, of course, I can do that. If you give me the case, I'll make it a really good one. Like, I don't want anything for it, no money. I'll, I will handle this case. 
And I didn't know at the time if I would be able to do, but I would invest time, yes. And I believed in myself. If I invest time, I do a good job. So I took the, he gave me the case and I went back and worked three months, literally, day in, day out on this case to win this case for him. I went back, I said, this is the result. He sent it to the Federation and we waited another two to three months. And then I got another phone call, was invited back there to the office. And the day when I entered his office to ask if I can become his intern, and I'm going again, it's now one year, and I still haven't learned anything from him, this guy. So <clears throat> he said to me, wonder case, fantastic work. I wanted to say thank you. He said, from now on, this door is open for you. You can come and go whenever you want. You can learn how much you want. You can ask, talk to the secretaries, how much do you want to earn per hour? You can talk with them. So it's all fine under one condition. I'm like, oh my God, what's the condition? What does he want from me? So under one condition. And I'm like, you know, I'm so nervous, you know? And I said, what does he want from me? What does he want to do? I asked, I said everything. He said, no, no, no. He said, don't stop the magazines. He said, you were right when you said to me one thing at the door. I learned so much. And that, that was the thing, you know? That was, I learned, I add value to someone maybe such a long time to help him to understand things and see better that finally he opened me the door to learn in that industry. And that was my first entry into the football world, right? And yeah, and I learned a lot from him. And then from there on, it moved on. But what I'm saying to these students out there, be stubborn, yeah? Don't give up. Don't be just, when someone says no, it doesn't mean no, yeah? Try again, do a different approach and, you know, be stubborn and try it out. Work it out. Nowadays, when you say to someone, no, they don't like your CV, that's it. They give up so fast, so easy. And as I said, if they send in CV, add value onto the CV and say, if you would come as an intern, you would help to make an area better, to increase something, to add something, whatever it is, you know, understand. That's what people want. That's what I would want because that's how I did it. Absolutely. And, and I think adding value is something that, that everyone should aspire to do, whether that be their current workplace or somewhere that they're looking to move on to. And I think that's something that will be a great piece of advice for, for people listening. Um, and they can use that in all aspects of life. Before I, I talk about your, your new book, I want to ask you about the glamorous side of football that I know you're, you get asked about all the time. But without naming names of people you've worked with, what is the reality in your, in your experience of a football transfer? Because as a football fan... Uh, our football fans, we play football manager, we play FIFA or Pro Evolution Soccer, whatever it may be. We watch the news and we see Club X wants to sign player A and they're going to pay Y amount and the deal gets done, whether it's quickly or over a couple of weeks and everyone finds it quite exciting. The newspapers are talking about it, pundits, etc. From the inside, I imagine it can be quite stressful and it's completely different to what we as the public see. Yes, and it, it is very stressful, to be honest. Uh, and, you know, every deal I had in my life and I've done in my life is different from the deal previously. There are no two deals are similar. I call, I, I, call, I said like once, it must be like a brain operation because everyone's brain cells are so different that the operator, the surgeon must be doing it always in a different way. So you, you transfer because every player is different. Every situation is different. The age of the player, the situation of the new club, the situation of home club, the finances, the media, the fans, the family. There's so many aspects coming into place. And from that, you need to make decisions and negotiate at the same time until the end. And so it's, it's so much work, but a lot of work, this work is done before the window starts. So what you as a fan or a lot of fans see is only the end, the final transaction. 
but uh, and the announcement and the medical and stuff. But everything else, the part where it's really difficult, where you negotiate and then call again, hey, come on, this is not, you know, this clause doesn't make sense. You know, what, what do you mean a sell-on buyout clause? We never talk about that. Why, why did you put it in again? Take it out. The player's unhappy. The, the player wants this. The, the club wants this. Or oh, what happens with the image, right? We talk about the image, right? But the tax in this country is higher. We need to make it different. I mean, there's so many things, right? You need to have a to-do list. And that works, moves on. And until the window opens, then it's just usually most of it, let's say, is agreed. But sometimes a deal can start at the transfer window because suddenly a club has an injured player and they're looking for a centre-back. And says, okay, before the season uh, window closes, this is a new procedure, right? This happens as well. So it's very unique and uh, every deal has its own things. I think to give you the last deal I think I've done now in the January transfer window, maybe I give you some uh, information about that because that was really a, not a funny deal, but it was a last minute deal because and you, you need to know that the transfer window closes in different countries in different days. Like in England, it was end of January. As you know, the window shut down. But still, players from England could leave. They couldn't come anymore into England. That was closed. So players are not uh, allowed to enter. But players can still leave from England to the MLS or somewhere else, right, after the window is closed. And so is, as well, Turkey. Turkey closed the window on the 8th of February. So, and now, now the story. So no one knows the story yet, Callum. You're the first to find out about that. That's so funny. I think I, I thought my wife's killing me. Honestly, that was like that was the end of the world. Like, <laughs> look at this. So on this, my wife was pregnant, right? And, and I'm at home. The, the the whole transfer window time. I'm working mostly from home. You know, I don't want to travel and try to do everything on the phone. And things worked out well. And I have one player at Fenerbahce. His name is Sinan Gümüş. He's German Turkish, like me and Mesut. You know, same. And he wants to leave the club and the club wants him to go as well. So everything's fine, but we couldn't agree uh, a deal with the club who wants him. And there were some other options, nothing worked out, but there was one club which was closed, but on the seventh, one day before the window closed in the evening, I'm talking again to the parties and they say, deal is off, deal is off. I said, okay, man, there won't be any deadline issue. Just focus with my wife. She could give birth anytime. So it's due anytime. The birthday due date was the first of February, and imagine we are having already seven, so the baby can come anytime. Over the night, my wife, it's starting. The process, no, right? The first feeling, okay, I think we need to go to hospital. Three, four o'clock in the night, we wake up, get ready, and then at seven o'clock or so, we left home. You know, my uh, my mother-in-law came to care of my sons, so we left. On the way to the hospital, I'm getting phone calls, crazy ones. Like, I can't feel it, like stopping in my pocket, like, again, again. I said, what's going on? I, so I want to, and my wife, oh, it's, you know, it's starting very badly. So hopefully we'll be soon there. And I'm like checking my phone without she's seeing like, who's calling me? And I'm seeing like the two clubs and my players calling me. I say, urgently call back, urgently, deal is on, deal is on, urgently. We have left until six o'clock today, Turkish time, which is three o'clock UK time. And it's seven in the morning. And I am on the way in my wife's hospital for the birth of my second son. So, and I, and I just like, when, when, the, when we were waiting on the red color uh, at the street, I just like, you know, like said, like, I'll call back, I'll call back. I'm on the way to hospital with my wife, I'll call back. We arrived. So 
the procedure started. We were like in this room and my wife. So we, thanks God, we had our own room, you know? And then I said, I think we will have two deals today. <laughs> she said, what do you mean? I think, you know the player I was dealing the last few days? It might happen now. And the boy is coming now too. So <laughs> don't misunderstand if I have to take the phone from now on. And literally, I was with one hand holding my hand. On the other hand, I was like, yeah, no, no, no. That's no, no. the contract. We need to change this way. No, no, no. I don't allow that for the player. We need this. We need that. I had over 100 phone calls until the afternoon when my wife gave birth. And I was still haven't finished. My player sent there. I have a lawyer on the ground in Turkey. So my son was born. I have them. And I have this picture like where I'm holding my son and with my other hand I'm on the phone. Like, you know, like holding it born, like they just put something on it and I'm just, yes, okay, we okay, send me the contract, the final, I check it one more time and then we need to send it to the football association. We still have one hour time. So, and like, and it was finished, right? And it was done. I was like, wow, I've never experienced something in my life like that. I've done two deals in one day. I said, you know, this is my two deals. I should, have, I, I, I should write a book about that. Like that day was unbelievable, Callum. And that's what I'm saying. The uniqueness of this world in football is, it's like, it's, it, we say a lot of it's a daily business and it changed so fast and so quick, the circumstances that you have to integrate it into your lifestyle as well with family. And if you don't have an understandable family, like a wife and everything, then it's very difficult. You need to be like, 24-7 available. Yeah, that was a deal, man. It was unbelievable, Callum. Well, you, you absolutely should write a book about that because that is incredible. And and I must say, you, you're very lucky to have such an understanding wife because I yeah. imagine that was a very stressful day for her as well. <laughs> it was, it was. I was even saying, oh, this is now the president calling. I need to take it. <laughs> Don't worry. So it was literally like that. No, I'm really thankful. I don't know. I'm blessed. I have a good... I have a, this is the most important thing is family in life, Callum. It doesn't matter what we do in life. We, we work hard and we do everything. But if you don't have the backing of your family and my wife's very understandable and she backs me a lot with what I do. She knows how I'm passionate about my work. And, you know, the, the, the thing is when I represent the player, it's personal. It's a personal relationship. You want to help the player to succeed and to win and to get the best outcome. That's, that's your getting emotional. No one is. No one can say that's not emotional for a player representing a player. So, if my player have an injury, which I got yesterday from one of my players called and said, "I got an injury. I need an operation on Saturday," so I'm four months out. I'm like, "Wow, we're just doing the plans about your new move in summer." So now you're four four months injured. That means you're injured until summer. How will we talk now to the clubs? What will I say to them? What will they think about it? You're not ready in summer. You're not ready for preseason. It changed the whole perspective of the deal. So it take me personally and I got sad. But it, to, to take it personally gives me also the power to make the best. You know, I would say, okay, don't worry. I said to him, you know what, don't worry. You focus on your, you know, rehabilitation, operation. I do everything off the pitch. We make a great deal. Don't worry. You get your career on path. So you need to encourage them. You hang on and say, what the fuck? How will I do that now, you know? <laughs> Okay, no, another three or four months injured. Like, how will I do that now? <laughs> but you have to. Then that's the that's the beauty in it. You have these difficulties and the problems, and you have to deal with them. Yeah? So it's a lot of work, but a lot of fun as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, in terms of um, having a lot of fun, your your new book um, is a, it's incredibly it's a crime uh, thriller. It's a fiction book. It's called Deadline. It's linked obviously to your industry. Um, 
what what inspired you to take on a fictional text? Because lots of people write books like you have done before about how to become a football agent. They might consider an autobiography. They might help a player write his. But for you to go into the fiction world and write a novel is extraordinary. How did how did that come about? I mean, uh, I'm I'm someone who loves stories and I'm someone who reads a lot. You know, like so I I kind of when I was a law student I. I read John Grisham. I don't know if you know John Grisham. He's like one of my favorite authors. And I learned from him kind of the American law uh, structure and the legal system in America. And it was so fascinating reading John, John Grisham books. I was like craving for it when he was bringing a new one out. Like I was waiting to get the next. And then also reading others like Dan Brown and a lot of others. Like I've, I've, I'm, a, I'm a reader and I'm a learner. Like, and I love reading and learning. And I love teaching and writing as well. They're like two of my favorite things in life. And uh, telling stories, with, with other words, I love telling stories. Now I just told you the story about the birth of my son and the deal at the same time, right? This is my life, work life and family life all in one. You can't make it closer than that. So, and being in that industry for 20 years, Callum, I've seen so much. Like, obviously there are other agents who've seen more than me because they're longer in the industry, but because I'm also a teacher, I teach everywhere. So I was in Kenya in December, I was giving lectures at the university, but at the same time, I do my football business there. So I'm in Ghana, America, I am everywhere in the world, and I go and see things. And sometimes I see things in this world which I don't like, which I think is unethical, sometimes illegal, and but un, but un, unspoken and kept in the dark, kept in the gray area. And I think I I, I want to tell these stories. I feel I have to tell these stories and show people actually how our world really looks like, but through fiction. So that's the beauty in it. Through fiction, you can create characters which doesn't exist, right? Which are fictional characters, but tell them about my world. Tell them about what I do. Like it's authentic because it's my world. I know my world and I can write about it. And a lot of things the reader will think, wait a minute, could it be really true what he's saying there? Oh no, that, that must be conspiracy. Or like I, I open up discussions in many areas about there's an agent cartel in my book, right? Behind the scenes, a cartel of agents was ruling the football world. The reader might think, do we have such a thing? No, it can't be, right? That they're so powerful. But on the other way, certain agents control clubs completely. They decide in every deal coming in and out. So they have a kind of a control, right? And this happens in every country in the world. So there might be an agent cartel deciding about what's happening in which country, which agents controlling which country, sharing the cake, you know. So that's a discussion. And But the main discussion in the book is not the discussion or the topic is nepotism in football, right? This is a field, an area which I'm in the last 20 years always came across with when I heard, yeah, you know, uh, Eric, if you want to do this deal, you're my brother is an agent too. Actually, you should work with him on that deal. So we will do we get the player then. And I'm thinking like, why would I need to work with your brother? <laughs> like, if I can do the deal directly with the club, why all these middlemen and middle persons and family members put in every single deal? And, you know, like unbelievable, the fans out there don't know what clubs, you know, they always say the agents are the bad guys, you know, like that's in the media like that. But they love the bad agents, the clubs. They don't like the good agents because with the bad agents, they can do kickbacks. That's they want to keep the bad agents in the world of football. They don't like the ones who don't do kickbacks and who just want to do a straightforward deal. But they need the ones who are dodgy. They need the ones who can do get these envelopes of money, you know. And uh, and and I asked the question, is it okay, for example, if Sir Alex Ferguson is one of your Scotsmen, 
his son becomes an agent and represents players at Man United, where Sir Alex Ferguson said before such a bad things about agents and that they're the worst. And when there's a gravy train, they're the first one jumping on and agents should be condemned from. But when it comes to his son, he promotes him to become an agent and represent players at Manchester United. I'm not saying it's illegal. It isn't. But I'm saying, is that correct or ethically okay when you, when you say something for the general world, agents are not good for football, but when it comes to your own, you treat it differently and even promote it and uh, make your brother a scout, make your uncle or whatever, make the other brother a coach. So, and this, and this is not just a Manchester United thing or Alex Brooks, this happens all over. It's kind of a part of the football game and my, and that affects other players, other agents, other club officials, a lot of people, you know, and, and I'm thinking like, is that correct? Or I just want to start the discussion a little bit and, you know, tell people like, uh, Anthony Pulis always signed his own son wherever he goes, you know, even if it's not good enough or whatever, or he would, right? Is that illegally illegal? No. Is that correct? Maybe it is, maybe not. I'm not saying it's wrong, right? Um, uh, I'm someone who thinks it must be fair when a son of a football player, like, no, let's say I'm the coach and the son is a football player, right? But if the son is really top, 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 of course he should play them, right? And the father's team, if he's like, good after but if the son is not good enough at all and everyone can see it then to promote that son to a football player i don't think that's fair to others it destroys the careers of someone else there and that's that's my in my opinion not ethically correct that should be not allowed but that's the club policy you know that's the club's thing to do or not to do or the associations i mean this is the this is the discussion i'm putting out there to the reader and yeah this is a story about uh, agents trying to make a deal at the same time at Manchester United. That's the story, man. And it's very uh, interesting to see then how these agents fighting with each other to bring the player into Man United and what happened then behind the scenes because one agent has a brother who's a coach. It helps him and the other doesn't. So, and then people die, right? So a lot of things happening. So uh, I think I just wanted to start this uh, storytelling with this first one. It took me nearly three years. One year, I really learned how to write, I would say, uh, the, the technique of writing, because English is not my first language as well. It's, it's, it's my third language after uh, German and uh, Turkish. And uh, But I needed the time. I needed to learn writing. And then two years, I did the writing process. Every morning here, wake up 5.30. This is the kitchen table where I'm talking to you right now. That's the famous kitchen table I started of writing it and then I have a good team of editors around me who help me a lot and guide me through and help me to put the right sentence together of course sometimes the sentence I would write in a wrong face or put it in the wrong side the chapter should start there all the technical parts a very good team around me and yeah the second book will be about modern slavery in football and it will come out in September how human trafficking of minor football players from Africa is happening every year more than 15,000 kids coming over and what, uh, what is football doing to that, to stop it? And are they really doing something? And what happened with these kids? That's the second book. So again, that will come out in September. Hopefully we'll talk about it then when, it, when the time is closer. Absolutely. And, and as I say, in terms of this book, um, two quotes from two famous faces that listeners will know for, from football. Um, one from Messer himself. Such an exciting read. I love this book. It really opens up your eyes to the dark side of football. And then another quote from Robert Pires, who, of course, we all know from, from Arsenal and France as well. What a read. It's like Jack Reacher was a football agent, which I think 
gives us the perfect insight to what this book's going to be about. Where, yeah. where can we access this book? Where can people order it? I mean, at, uh, so the book will be launched next week on uh, Thursday, on the 3rd of March. It will be officially available on Amazon. And uh, you can buy any version there, like your paperback, uh, hardcover, and uh, Kindle version. And the audiobook is also in work. It will come up mid-March if anyone likes to listen. So the, I really wanted to do the audiobook as well. So 15 to 20th of March, between that time, the audiobook will be also available on Amazon. At the moment, the Kindle version is available on pre-order. So if anyone wants to get the Kindle right now out there, so you can pre-order it. But everything else, you have to wait until next Thursday. And then, yeah, uh, hopefully it will be a nice day to launch that day. I love, re really look forward to it. And really look forward to the, to the feedback, actually. I really love to get critics. doesn't matter positive or negative or whatever. I love reading it and it, because it will make me better in what I do. And just before I let you go, Erica, I mean, your, your website has some really exciting blogs on there. Um, it's got a lot about yourself, coaching, different business ventures, charity, and, and, and are all different aspects of football and, and sports law rolled into one. How can people follow your work on your site? Because as I say, some very interesting work there that I would thoroughly recommend. Yeah, so the, so the easiest thing actually to follow is if, if they go on my website, ericatsogood.com, very simple. So they can subscribe to the website and to the newsletter there. And I'll be getting a once a month uh, a newsletter out, like more like about the agent business and explaining like, I will start doing interviews there as well, uh, Callum, with people inside the football world about what they think from an agent side, like what they think like a sporting director. So for example, what do you think about an agent or how should an agent work with you or from a parent side, what is a parent expecting? So there's a lot of information about the agent's world there. So if they're interested, they can get in touch with me there. I have a masterclass there as well for anyone who's interested in becoming a football agent. I have a masterclass they can find on the website, they can apply for it. And yeah, so there's a lot of information out there. The best way is to just to subscribe and so and to get the monthly information out. Brilliant. Erkut, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Same, same. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. And today we just uh, talk about the birth. And uh, I think that was the most important uh, or the most exciting thing for the listener, I think, to find out what the deadline day could be in my life. And that's why the book fits so nicely in it, deadline, you know. So thank you very much. And good luck with everything. And good luck with Celtics. Yeah? So I I, I'll, come, I'll come soon to watch a game, by the way. So we see each other absolutely so we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave and our shells will all be open they'll be filled with song they'll be filled with song we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave and our shells